Welcome to What's Next, the Cornet Global Real Estate Podcast. My name is Eva Hedergott, and I'm here with our two guests for today's podcast, Patrick Hoffman of Sinio's Health and Doug Gottschalk, who's leading EY's corporate real estate consulting practice. As the corporate real estate environment continues to adapt to the new ways people work, live, and play, CRE leaders and their teams are confronted with some pivotal questions. How does the makeup of corporate real estate organizations need to change to meet the new demands? What can leaders do to anticipate and prepare for changes rather than just react to the new developments? And how do you identify and implement behaviors that align best with your strategic goals? Today, we're going to talk about what Siri organizations need to succeed during this time of transformation. We will touch on the forces shaping series day to day and how to position your team to respond to those and most importantly, share plenty of industry insights. Patrick and Doug, to set the stage, please introduce yourselves and to warm up, please describe an image that best describes your corporate real estate organization or client's organization and why that is. Hi, Eva. I'm Patrick Hoffman, the Senior Vice President of Corporate Real Estate and Services at Senio's Health, based in the Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina. I have one wife, two college-age kids, and one very lazy, hungry dog. The image I think of is of a small green shoot in fresh soil, new, unfamiliar ground, but we're adjusting and thriving in this new environment. Thanks, Patrick. Doug Gottschalk. I live in Chicago, and I am the co-leader of the corporate real estate advisory practice at EY. I like to say we help people like Patrick solve their problems. Whatever he's dreaming about at night or nightmares he's having, we're there to support him. If I had to pick an image, it would be an orchestra describing our team, and in many ways, I'm sure our clients' teams as well, too. The conductor in the middle, who seemingly isn't really doing a lot, isn't actually making music, but all of the individual band members with each of their individual instruments somehow all coming together and making sense. Thanks, both of you. To start off, Patrick, what is one of the things that keep you up at night about your organization? Beyond keeping me up at night, I do feel like we all went to sleep for two years in the corporate real estate world through the pandemic. And we woke up to functional obsolescence. Our legacy corporate real estate organizations and portfolios no longer aligned with the real organizational needs. One thing that happened shortly after we reactivated our office that really drove this point home was we have a nice little coffee shop at the end of the street where our office is. And our offices were for the most part empty. I went down there to get a coffee and I saw a number of colleagues that work at Sinios Health sitting at the coffee shop. And I thought it was interesting. I said, so you're not at the office, you're here. Are you going to the office? Well, no, it's empty. There's nobody there. And I like to be in a place that has a little bit of energy. And that really drove home the point to me that we have a fundamental disconnect and problem with our portfolios and what our employees want and need. So that's keeping me up at night. But what helps me sleep is that we're taking action and we're delivering pilots, compressing unused space 
into better settings. We're putting in sensors to better understand what people want and really trying to live up to the motto and the mantra of twice the experience in half the space, or maybe if it's more aggressive than that, maybe it's three times the experience in one third of the space. And so we're really taking action, which helps me get back to sleep after I wake up. And as you talk about these changes, did you make any changes to reposition your team and what are they? Yeah, in late 2020, we pulled together a cross-functional team and led and redesigned to simplify, streamline the org, implement staffing ratios to align resources and develop clear accountabilities. And what that led us to do is really create global centralized COEs so that we could leverage outsource providers with in-house expertise. And then we also had regional leaders that drove operations and services in a way that was locally relevant. So there's an entire organizational redesign that we executed. And I have to thank Doug and a lot of other trusted partners for sharing a lot of their insights to help us come to the right solution. And through that, we really repositioned and balanced resources. And we're also working on another big piece of this, which is not just the quantitative side of staffing, but the qualitative side of staffing, that the FM hard services, changing light bulbs and HVAC filters, of course needs to be done, but there's an entire new scope of work that has shown up to be important, which is hospitality. It's connecting people to resources. It's acting as a concierge. It's not necessarily answering the question, but when you see somebody that is not being productive because they, they don't know the answer to something, it's connecting them to the resource to help get that answer. So we're really working hard to make a frictionless environment where people come into the office and it's a net positive to the productivity of their day, the wellness of their experience as an employee, and make them feel connected to something bigger than just a laptop. Mm -hmm. Doug, what would you add to this? What are some of the big changes that you've seen and changes that you've seen CRE leaders made to their teams? To continue on that thread around post-COVID adjustments of the CRE organization, certainly putting dedicated resources in that service and hospitality framework, literally making your CRE team an event planner, hospitality experts. One of our executives actually said something along the lines of, there's no magic wand that's going to bring these people back in, but it's our job to at least try. Um, that same team, as a matter of fact, one of their successful steps was to bring Thursday's puppy dogs available for adoption into the lobby. And what do you know, Thursdays, the attendance went up significantly. So things like that. More broadly, areas that are driving transformative value from a CRE function are going to be around being the cross-functional glue across the entity. So certainly with HR, things like IT, other places of the business to be that connective tissue is going to drive value for the organization broadly, but get things done for the real estate function as well, too. Things like instituting a governance layer of that corporate real estate team. So driving decisions through a cadence of meetings, well, all of that stuff takes time. It takes resources. 
So to actually invest in a team that is focused on governance and cross-functional integration is super important right now. And maybe just one more would be around navigating geopolitical risk. And it seems like that one is going to increase even more and more. War in Ukraine, getting out of Russia, what's going to happen in Taiwan with China? How do we get in front of that and be a Sherpa for the corporations around that, even leading that on behalf if we think about disaster recovery, that type of capacity within that framework as well, too. Patrick, back to you. Um, both you and Doug as well, you talked about some pretty big disruptive changes. How do you set the North Star for your organization and how do you maintain the focus on that? So thankfully, as an organization, we are entirely aligned with our company mission of shortening the distance from lab to life. It impacts millions of people. We know these life-changing therapies are important that we work on. From a corporate real estate standpoint, we translate that and we believe we can support that best by setting the stage for concentration and connection in talent centers and delivering special places for customer engagement. These are the two areas that we really focus on delivering so that our employees can do their best work and our customers can come and engage and collaborate to, again, shorten that distance from lab to life. So how do you measure that? What does it mean for you to be successful? Success to us is making the resources and experience in the workplace worth the commute. To most, that means a place where they can concentrate, connect in person, and efficiently access resources. So in the morning, if it's worth it to get in that car or get on that train and come to the office, that's success. That means we're delivering value. That means we're adding value and we're helping people get their job done. And how do you measure your success? How do you put a KPI to that? Eva, that is a wonderful question. And that's one of those things I think as an industry, we are still trying to figure out. And maybe some of the listeners might have an answer they could share. But in a world of choice, the ultimate KPI is office utilization. Absent an office attendance policy, people vote with their feet. We believe that vote relates to the experience. Are we delivering the design and settings that people need? Are we delivering the technology enablement that people need? Are we delivering the operational expertise that people need? And in addition to utilization, we have a baseline leaseman score for our facilities and see that as a future measurement as we finalize some portfolio optimization activities later this year to do a reset and a recalibration on our leaseman score. And like many, we're piloting new space designs with embedded sensors. We want to know more than just a badge swipe. We don't want to know just that you're in the building. We want to know what settings are being used so that we can create more of that and repurpose underutilized space. Given that we're just coming out of functional obsolescence and into the prototyping phase, we continue to think about our KPIs and how to measure them. And I think that's an area that's really ripe for all of us to collaborate throughout the industry and come together on some new ways of thinking. I would agree. Doug, to take it a little bit of to the higher level or broader picture again, what is the one question that most CRE leaders ask you when they start thinking about the org design and when you start working with them? Maybe the irony of my answer, I'll preface by saying, organizations really should be designed for the companies that they serve. 
and really no two organizations should be exactly alike. So with that said, the number one question I'm asked is, tell me how everybody else is organized, AKA benchmarking. They wanna know what are they doing? What's working, what's not working? And I guess that's understandable. One of the real reasons Cornet is so popular is not just bringing the social aspect, but allowing people to feel like they're in a safe place to share that intel and even data. So again, they want to know what's the structure? What is John Smith's organization doing from a capabilities perspective? And thirdly, they want to know staffing levels or gearing ratios, whatever you want to call that. But qualitative things equally important. What are the top priorities or objectives? How are my peers driving that value? And then what are some of the obstacles that these organizations faced? Things like, why are they struggling to harvest that value? What's getting in their way? Eva, with that, maybe what I can do, just a few benchmarks that I carry around in my back pocket, so to speak, so that who do you report to? Literally last week, a client that called up and said, we're kind of entangled with our procurement function. And in fact, our procurement team is getting involved in leasing. And in one instance, even got in the selection of a development partner and it didn't go so well. So who do you report to? Very rarely it's with procurement. About 50% of the times corporate real estate departments do report to finance. HR is not uncommon and that's becoming more common in a post-COVID world. We've seen IT operations, EHS, treasurer, but finance does seem to be the number one place where people report to. And then as far as staffing, my back pocket, I would say, depending on the sector a little bit, but one white collar worker for every one to two million square feet of space is a general good rule of thumb. If it's a large industrial, maybe it's one per five million but back of the envelope, that's a number I'll throw at the audience. And then you'll see supporting services in hard services and project management, maybe one FTE for every 100,000 square feet of space. And then when you get into soft services, you get even more granular than that. Things like mail, landscaping grounds, and of course, janitorial, you're going to have even more than that. I also even get asked a lot about outsourcing. I think that's probably more prevalently known transactions, facility management, things around real estate like brokerage or transaction management, space planning, those types of things. In order of prevalence of outsourcing, project management is number one, transactions is number two, and facilities management is number three. Hopefully that answers some of your question, Eva. It does. Thank you. And I'd love to get your perspective also on in your opinion or in your practice, what do you think successful organizations are doing better or differently than others? Real estate is so easy, but it is so hard. And it's easy because chances are if you're in Cornet and you're listening to this podcast, you see where the value is. Maybe that vacancy, it may be that the process around doing a renewal for a lease is broken you know where the bodies are buried and what the value is. The hard part is those human beings that we have to convince everyone in our organization at the business unit level and then at the C-suite level about these savings opportunities or these opportunities to harvest value. And so the most successful organizations have figured out how to change minds, how to create a business case 
for those projects that harvest value. They've set up that cadence with the C-suite governance. There's calendarization of that. There are simple tools and deliverables that go into the meeting and they come out with the decision. And then from there, part two to my answer is the ability to not just execute on that, but to report on the success of that execution of those decisions. They may implement some type of exceptions-based reporting and decision-making thereafter as well, too. So, Eva, I think it really is the organization that has the science of how to make their clients make better decisions. That's the number one capability of having a successful organization. Mm -hmm. And I'd be curious, Patrick, in your day-to-day, how much is leadership involved in your day-to-day? Thankfully, we have the capability and trust and respect of our C-suite that we really just engage them on the global real estate strategy. We agree on guiding principles. We understand some of those enterprise alignment trade-offs that we need to make. So we work closely with them on the big decisions, balancing the various interests and trade-offs, and then we really leverage our team to execute. So our C-suite is great. We have a lot of dialogue. We connect when needed, but they have a lot of other priorities. And if we're spending a lot of time on real estate, perhaps I'm not doing my job. And so gaining alignment on enterprise priorities, enterprise alignment, a global real estate strategy are the things I focus on with our C-suite. Then we go and execute and I check back in as needed and update them on where we're at against that strategy. Mm-hmm. And just overall, how did you activate changes to your organization in the past? What were some of the challenges that you faced or that you didn't expect to see? With every organization, there's a unique flavor of opportunity to improve. Here, when I joined, there was an opportunity to build better partnerships with IT, HR, and finance. Those key partners that anybody in Cornet knows, those are your big partners that you need to be effective in the job. And so just listening and aligning with them and then working with our org design group, again, going back to a reorganization and aligning, simplifying, streamlining the org was critical just to get everyone to stop wasting time, duplicating efforts and chasing down the same things. While I'm not a New England Patriots fan, um, and I know it's a global audience, so it's a U.S. American football team, but I do like Bill Belichick's concept of do your job. And I think in some organizations, when you walk in, most people aren't clear on what their job is and what success looks like. So really the first change that was critical here was getting everyone to know what their job was and know what success looked like. And now we're really turning that up and pivoting from facility management to becoming facilitators and creating that frictionless space with technology, whether it's access control, video conferencing, printing, getting coffee, amenities, and creating a community feel for everyone, creating an environment where people come here and feel a part of something special and being a resource center to help connect people to solutions And again, going back to some of the pilots we're running using data, not opinions, and letting people vote with their feet and adapting and changing the space and what we offer to match up with that. 
And Doug, I'd love to also hear from you in your experience to change the hearts and minds. What role does change management play? Change management is the difference between getting it done or not getting it done, or even worse, not getting it done and having the situation end up worse than it was before. You've got to have that structured change management. It's not just a philosophy. There has to be people or resources. There has to be that science. There are tools and methodologies, and you don't have to go really, really deep, but you do have to have the fundamentals in place. And with organizational change, it is obviously the most important time to have that instituted. People's jobs are at stake and they're going to be fearful even if the end game is that maybe they get promoted. Maybe there's a better outcome for them. I would say the universal symbol for change is a triangle, but it's also the same symbol for danger. So you are stepping into a dangerous territory anytime you implement change for an organization. So with that, the how-to, I think open communication, get your HR or talent team involved anytime that you're having any organizational change, or even sometimes the processes beneath the organization as well, too. You've got to plan that. It's communication. It's knowing where you are and where you're going and being able to articulate the deltas between what it is today and what it's going to be tomorrow. I found over and over again that you've got a much better ROI on saying what's different than all of the future because a lot of the future won't change. I've also found that spend time stakeholder mapping and in particular, counterintuitively, you spend time with the contaminants of change, the naysayers. You do want to frankly defeat them and have them jump on board because they can contaminate the rest of the folks that you're trying to change with as well too. The correlation of communication and coalition is incredibly important. You will get the results if you have the people behind you. You can't do it yourself and investing that time up front, building those champions of change is really important. I guess I'll leave it with two really important lessons learned. The delta dip in change is basically to acknowledge that things usually do get worse when you change anything, an organization especially. I mean, if you've got metrics, they may go down. Delivery, performance, morale, they're going to go down. And a lot of people will say, aha, this isn't working. Aha, you shouldn't have outsourced to the big real estate firms. Aha, technology implementation as well too. Look, it's not working. So we're going back to the way that we were doing things. And you've got to communicate about that Delta dip and let them know this is what we expected. Tell them that before you embark on that change and you will get through it. The change management you invest in will shorten or decrease the Delta dip, but there always will be a Delta dip as well too. And then the second lesson learned is that very difficult thing to describe called culture. Building that culture, kind of like change management in having an intentional mission-based culture as an outcome is very important. It's in our habits and behaviors. And when you undergo that organizational change, what you do up front, you do get a second chance and you can build that culture 
but you have to do it right at the onset as well too. So culture, delta dip, communicate, all of those things. You cannot do an organizational change without the change management. Thanks for that, Doug. Just to um, do a quick recap of what we've heard, CRE departments are going through quite some change. And there's a couple of points that I think we heard today to keep in mind when repositioning the team. CRE teams are becoming more of a hospitality function, and it really starts with the right attitude and maybe not so much with changing the specific work descriptions today. The change is focused for the CRE team and also somewhat translates into more variability in the reporting structures and maybe also fosters more cross-functional collaboration. And then lastly, what we've heard is always keep in mind the North Star for your organization and your team. The joint vision and mission is just such a powerful tool. So Patrick and Doug, thanks for the dialogue. And before we close out, I'd love to hear from both of you, what's a recommendation you would give someone who's just starting their career in corporate real estate and just starting to get oriented? There are really two types of roles in a corporate real estate environment, kind of the COE, project, transactions, leaders. I would just suggest to them, one of our core values at Cineos Health is to challenge the status quo. And all the legacy thinking, for the most part, needs to be thrown away. And so even our newest people in these positions, we need to hear what they're thinking. We need to hear what they and their cohorts want. And so it's a unique environment where, I don't know if this is a once in a generation or what, but we really have an opportunity here to rethink our built environment. And we need new people in our industry to challenge the status quo and not assume that we should not start over with a blank sheet of paper. For those site staff people, the tricky part is how do you add value? How do you change the mindset of I was hired to do X, Y, Z, and I will not do A, B, C to be more of a, how do I add value mindset? So if you're a security person and you're walking by somebody struggling with a printer, maybe you stop for a second, ask them if they need help and just take five minutes and see if you can help them solve their problem. Or if you're a move ad change manager and you're walking around, you see somebody who's got a real difficulty making coffee. Why not stop for five minutes? Show them how to do it. Teach them to fish. This isn't intuitive. You know, my job is this. But just being kind and helpful, I think, is going to be a key skill set for corporate real estate going forward. And no matter what your role is within the corporate real estate team, being of value and being useful are going to be the same thing. Patrick, well said. I think you stole a little bit of what I, I was thinking there. But I'll say something simple. Do an internet search for how to write a business case. That's what we do for a living. Not just consultants like me, but people like Patrick Hoffman too. There is so much value in the job that we bring. And if we can learn the skill set of what is a business case, current state, options, it's kind of like the world of Six Sigma to the define, measure, analyze, improve, 
and control steps. If you can learn how to do that, I think you're going to be very successful in the world of corporate real estate. Thanks to both of you. I thought that was um, a great conversation with plenty of insights. And um, we're looking forward to returning next quarter with another instance of what's next. If you would like to learn more about CRE org design, go to your web browser and search for EY Corporate Real Estate Consulting.